Welcome to the CDRB Show, the podcast where you get to know some of the coolest people around. I'm your host, Christian Rodriguez, and each week I sit down with a special guest to chat about their life, career, and all the things that make them awesome. We cover some serious topics that matter, but don't worry, we keep it real and laid back. You never know what kind of insights and surprises you'll get, but one thing's for sure, we're always having a good time. So kick back, relax, and join us for another episode of the CDRB Show. Hello everyone, I'm Christian Rodriguez and this is the first episode of the CDRB Show where we will be conversating with special guests. And my special guest for this week is President Dunsworth. How are you, President? I'm doing quite well. Uh, thank you for inviting me to, to join you today and uh, good luck with your your new venture on a podcast. I feel honored that I'm your first guest, yeah. so thank you. Thank you for, for accepting this and... I wanted to ask you, how, how do you want me to, to call you, uh, Mr. President, President Dunsworth, Dunsworth, Dunsey? <laughs> oh, my goodness, the Dunsey thing. Let's let that let's let that one go away. Okay. As you know, some of the older alums have been trying to get that one to <laughs> oh, stick. Really? And I'm like, come on, we can't. Um, I, I'm fine with President Dunsworth. Quite honestly, you're graduating pretty soon, yeah. so I'm— so I'm also comfortable with Rich, <laughs> okay. if you're comfortable with that. So first, the, the, the first thing that I wanted uh, to know about you was about your background. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, where were you born and how was your life like when you were a child? Sure. Um, I grew up in the, the plains of Colorado. And, and if you've never been there, think, think dry, think uh, cattle, think wheat. Um, It's, you know, if we back up a uh, hundred years, it was part of the Dust Bowl. Uh, so that, that my family uh, was always tied to agriculture in one way or another. Uh, one side of my family farmed and grew wheat, and the other side of my family uh, raised a few cows and, and horses along the way. Uh, I went to a really small school. Mm. Uh, my graduating high school class, I think, had 34 people in it. Uh, and of that 34, if I remember correctly, something like 15 to 17 of us started kindergarten together. Okay. So it's it's that kind of community where, where generations and generations and generations live. Two of my siblings have moved back and live in that, that same small town. Oh. Um, I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood, um, a lot of work, okay. uh, especially when, when your family's tied to agriculture. Everybody works if they yeah. can. Uh, so you I, were helping in your in your house to uh, works in the exactly that that um, I drove uh, a combine uh, mm -hmm. harvesting grains uh, you know from the time really that I could reach the pedals and uh, and <laughs> see out the, the the windshield I was probably driving something yeah. um, because we needed all hands all hands on deck. You you told me you you had a wonderful childhood, but yeah. was there any struggle or? Uh, because, for example, in my country, for example, in, in Honduras, uh, my dad, uh, my my mom had to work since they were uh, little because there were struggles with economy in the family. Mm -hmm. Did you suffer any like mm -hmm. struggle with that or with other aspects? Sure. Um, Christine, those are the things that we we don't talk about, right? I mean, I'm sitting here in front of you in a in a nice suit yeah. and um, 
I don't worry about food and I mm-hmm. don't worry about paying my bills. Uh, that was not my childhood. Yeah. Right. That that the idea of you know hand me downs the idea that um, that that you receive support for school or free and reduced lunches or the kinds of economic challenges that that my family went through you know yeah. we we don't talk about those things nowadays mm-hmm. but y- yeah there were challenges and and there w- one of the things i learned i appreciated years years later um my mother often worked on holidays oh okay because she got paid time and a half oh and i it never sunk into me that the reason why she worked the holidays was that she got paid more if if she wasn't home for those holidays um that when i think about some of the odd jobs that my dad did while we were farming um it was always to to try to make a little extra money mm-hmm. uh so that we could we could afford things now i never wanted for food never wanted for clothing um maybe i didn't have the best but but that was okay because a whole lot of my friends didn't either. Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it just felt normal. It was in the same environment as other people surrounding you, right? That's exactly right. And that that those you know that that looking back, there are those that were my friends that definitely had more, those that definitely had less. But I think a lot of it because we'd known each other since we were little bitty kids. Yeah, we. We looked out for each other. Um, we included each other when and and that that I never felt less than mm-hmm. because I grew up without a lot of money. Okay, let's forward a little bit more. And can you tell us about your family right now? Uh, because I know that at least one I have heard one of your uh, sons uh, studied here, right? Yes. So um, Holly and I've been here ten years. And uh, our oldest son, Nicholas, uh, graduated from Ozarks last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he received a, a Bachelor of Science in Mathematics and a minor in Economics. And then he also received a Bachelor of Arts in English. Okay. Uh, and he's now at the University of Missouri-St. Louis, where he's doing a master's degree in applied mathematics, specializing in, in data science. Okay. We have two other children that are 17, Matthew and Emma. Uh, they'll graduate from Clarksville High this spring, and they'll head off to, to college. But they've also been taking classes here on campus the last uh, four semesters. Oh. Uh, so Emma will head to Illinois College up in Jacksonville, Illinois, where she's going to study nursing, mm-hmm. and she's going to swim uh, for, for them. And Matthew will head to Arkansas State in Jonesboro, uh, where he will study exercise science pre-physical therapy. And we'll be running for them on their cross-country and track program. Mm, that's interesting. So they have been taking classes here at Ozarks that will serve for credit uh, hours in the university they will be? That's exactly right. So, for example, this semester, they're in Ozarks classes from 8 to 10, 10.15 each morning, and then they go to the high school. Okay. So the kinds of classes they've been taking here – Um, you know, they've gone all the way through calculus, so they've they've been working on math, they've been working on English, uh, and then they've each taken a couple of fun classes. So, for example, they took Dr. Smith's 
beekeeping class. Mm, okay. um, one of them took Dr. Smith's um, intro to brim and, and um, bass fishing. Uh, that uh, Emma is taking medical terminology, and I think Matthew's taking a political science class. So some of it's been for fun, but then yeah. also some of it's to meet meet the requirements, and and they want to maybe not have to take so many classes their first year when they're they're full time college students. Yeah, talking about high school school education, I was wondering how was your education. At, for example, high school, were you a good student at high school? Was I a good student in high school? Um, let's say this. I had really good grades. Okay. But I didn't really learn how to study in high school, okay. which then caused me a little bit of a shock when I went to college. So I had a good group of friends in, in, in high school, and we were definitely on the college track. Mm -hmm. So we were pushed English, math, chemistry, physics, all of that. I also test fairly well, mm -hmm. which was a mistake because I tested fairly well. I had good grades. I enrolled at Colorado State University as a freshman majoring in chemistry, and I skipped, a bun I skipped several classes. Mm -hmm. My first semester, I did fairly well. I got a 3-0 and change, a little over a you know, B plus, A minus. Yeah. As you've probably heard, my f second semester, my freshman year, I didn't do so well. Mm. I failed a class, and I got a D in a class. Okay. The second semester of chemistry and, and second semester of calculus. Oh. Um, now, one of the things that I've thought about many times since then, and, and, and you may laugh at me when I say this, but I didn't think to ask for help. Yeah. I, I didn't really know my academic advisor, and I'm not excusing my behavior. I, I had some fault there, but it was we get to, got to a point in math, especially it's like the lights got shut out. Yeah. I just didn't know what was going on, and I didn't think to say, hey, I need some help. Yeah. I've often wondered what it would have happened if I'd gone to a school like Ozarks. Maybe I would have been a chemistry major, but if I'd been a chemistry major, I probably wouldn't be here now. So I got a 3-0 my first semester. I got a 1-9 my <laughs> second semester and then changed majors, found a field I really liked. I ultimately um, graduated with a degree in political science oh, okay. um, and, and loved it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, was, I had to relearn how to study. Yeah. It, it, I had to relearn how to read, you know, read for academic purposes and really try to digest information. I had to... I had to relearn how to study. Okay. Now that we know what you studied in college, I wanted to know how did you end here at Ozarks working as the president? Sure. Um, well, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a journey. So between that and ending up in Ozarks is nearly 25 years. Mm -hmm. So um, I got a degree in, in political science. I had hoped to go to China and do graduate work. I'd applied to the Peace Corps. I was looking at some different things. And, well, things didn't work out the way I'd hoped. Um, and a friend of mine said, hey, I'm going to a job fair. Why don't you go with me? I went to the job fair, and I got one of my all-time favorite jobs. I managed an all-male residence hall hmm. of about 140 to 160 freshman men. Oh. 
in Illinois, a thousand mile, 900 miles from my home, but I loved it. I loved working with freshman men and realizing that I could be really effective in helping them find their passions, keeping them out of trouble, trying to keep them engaged. Mm -hmm. And at the end of my second year, um, I had a dean, uh, Dean Joe. He was actually the vice president, but everybody called him Dean Joe, who said, hey, how about you go back to get get a master's degree? Uh, how about you go get a master's degree at a school? It'd be kind of like going to Arkansas Tech mm-hmm. that I stayed working 20 miles, 40 miles down the road. I got a master's degree. I got promoted. And about every two years for the next decade, I got another job. Mm. Then I decided to leave higher ed and I went to law school. Okay. And I thought I was going to go practice law. Got married. Nicholas came along. And just as I was finishing law school, I was invited back to that university uh, to serve as a dean and then as a vice president. All right, now I'm gonna try to land this. So over the next decade, I worked for one of the most amazing mentors I've ever had, uh, a gentleman by the name of Doug Zemke. He was the president there. Mm -hmm. And about five years into being a vice president, he said, you know, um, I think you should consider being a university president. And, and I said, well, I, I don't know if I want to. And he said, well, you've got some deficiencies. And he, he's like, the first one is you need international experience. Mm-hmm. And over the next two years, he sent me to India for three weeks. He sent me to China on a couple of different programs for 10 days and started really investing in me. Mm-hmm. And then said, hey, you should you should try to be a university president. He saw something something on you, right? He did. He did. That uh, It's one of the themes of my life, mm-hmm. whether it was my third grade teacher, Mrs. Chenoweth, who told me I, that I could do math, mm-hmm. or you just keep going, and there are these people along the way that said, hey, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you have some skills and abilities. You may be rough around the edges, or hey, have you considered working in this space? Um a search firm called about the Ozarks job, mm-hmm. uh, and and Christian, the first time they called, I I said no. Uh, Holly and I had just bought an old home that mm-hmm. we wanted to fix up. Uh, at that time, Nicholas is seven or Nicholas is nine, and the twins were seven. We just moved into a new school district. Everything seemed to be really going well in that space, yeah. uh, and I'll never forget what the search consultant said. He said, Rich, Ozarks is a place where your home life, your work life, and your faith life won't have to be compartmentalized. Hmm. You can be all of you there. And I applied. I interviewed in Little Rock um, in a hotel. My first interview was what they call an airport interview. They flew oh. in, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the three finalists. Uh, I was invited here. It's almost 11 years ago, and I knew I wanted the job four hours into the interview when I was interviewing with about 18 students. And the student body president asked me to bless the meal, and I started to pray, and in my family we hold hands. So my wife reached out and grabbed my hand, and it was electric, instant, and we both both felt it. Mm -hmm. And after that lunch... She broke to go see schools, and she says, I, I felt it too. Wow. <laughs> I think we're supposed to be here. Maybe Ozarks has some kind of magic, right? It, something. and Well, and you've been here. It, it does have some magic. Yeah. That 
whether that's, you know, what we have students this year from, I think I saw the last number 30 different countries and uh, 35 counties, a hundred students come from right here in Johnson County. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool place where I don't think people worry about what you have or what you bring to the table. They meet you where you are Yeah, and they celebrate who you are and what you're trying to do. And, and I like being a part of that. Yeah, I, I, I really think that maybe Ozarks has some type of magic because uh, it has happened to even myself uh, when I was applying to the Walton Scholarship. Um, yes. I, I was like researching for all the universities that are part of the Walton program. And uh, I saw photos of every university, but when I saw a specific image from the uh, chapel here, I felt something yeah. uh, being in Honduras. This was when I was in Honduras and I saw myself there in front of the chapel. Uh, and that was like six months before I, I got you interviewed? selected. Yeah. That's wonderful. So uh, I, I feel that maybe it has some type of magic that we don't know. We, we don't understand. <laughs> well, two of my favorite pictures every year when the Walton Scholars in their different shirts mm -hmm. where the graduating class is wearing one color and everybody else on the steps of the chapel yeah. followed by the pictures in the fall when when there are people everywhere taking pictures and just enjoying mm -hmm. the change of seasons yeah so yeah whether it's magic whether it's a god thing yeah. whether it's faith whether there's something there's Energy. something going on here yeah well I'm pretty interested on your um job as president of the university and one of the things that i wanted to ask you is have you had to take i i guess yes but have you had to take hard decisions here at ozarks and if yes which was the hardest decision oh wow uh the single hardest um yes there that the, there are there are difficult decisions that have to be made on a regular basis. So let's talk a little bit about governance, mm -hmm. all right? So, yes, I serve as the president. The university has a, as a board of trustees. Yeah. It's between 22 and 27 people, depending upon when. Mm -hmm. and, and that board is, is ultimately responsible for the institution. They have one employee. That's me. And then I'm responsible for for building an administrative structure, encouraging and supporting faculty. And, and I think that the toughest decisions are, are usually around people. Mm -hmm. um, I can think of a, an appeal decision when, when a student was suspended from school and, and feeling really gut-wrenching that I had to, well, the right thing to do was to uphold the suspension and tell somebody they they, they had to leave mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes that also happens as we think about um, academic programs and yeah. going okay can we continue to do a program or should we make changes to that program um, uh, the, the the toughest decisions are always in terms of separating in the community, mm -hmm. whether that's telling an employee they can no longer be here, telling a student they can no longer be here. And, and then and then it's it's thinking about what happens next. Yeah. And and those are also tough decisions, but they're different because 
we don't know what the future holds mm-hmm. in in saying okay how should we how should we change the curriculum to support future students how should we um how should we move forward yeah. right if we use the Walton scholars program as an example telling somebody they have to go home when in my heart I think it's best that they stay and go on to get a graduate degree. <laughs> but knowing that the scholarship requires that the student to go back to the home region yeah. for at least four years, those are they're, 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 they're emotional decisions that take a toll, but it's, it's knowing we have value statements, knowing we have a mission, and that, that using those statements to help guide me allows me to go home and have dinner and and usually sleep at night. Yeah. Do you sleep well? Most of the time. <laughs> How many <laughs> hours do you normally sleep? Uh, okay. I I need at least eight hours. Okay. That that uh, and and I'm pretty good. We've talked about our kids a little. Um, my children were swimmers, mm-hmm. so they were accustomed to lights going out and the house kind of coming to a stop early evening, which makes it pretty easy to. To be in bed by 10, yeah. get a good eight hours of sleep. Uh, yeah, I. it took me a while to get to that point. When I was your age, mm-hmm. I didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> You've also heard me preach sleep to students. <laughs> sleep deprivation can make you do weird things and can make classes a whole lot more difficult. Yeah. So I'm a, hey, let's talk about sleep. Let's talk about what we <laughs> eat. Yeah. Let's talk about how we live. Also, um, I wanted to ask you, now that I ask you first about your toughest decision, what is your biggest accomplishment while being president of the University of the Ozarks? Wow, my biggest accomplishment. Um, first, first response is that I'm not able to do very much by myself. Mm. Right. I mentioned that board. I mentioned the faculty that that and I know folks go, oh, well, it's a team effort. It is a team effort. So in light of that team effort, the the accomplishment that I'm most proud of um, is the new science building, mm-hmm. the 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 science building needed investment. Yeah. And and we were worried about could we could we find the funding to to really renovate and build what what students deserve and what we need and and the fact that we were able to build that in the middle of a global pandemic and that it was fully funded and will be endowed forever mm-hmm. so that when it needs upgrades the funds will be there i'm going to be proud of that for a very very long time yeah that's the single largest thing that that i'm probably most proud of Just second to that, and it, and it and it's one of these odd things, is it happens every May and every December, mm-hmm. and it's commencement. Yeah. The fact that I get to hand you a diploma, <laughs> and that my bet is that as your name is announced and you start walking to me out on that stage, you're going to flash that smile. <laughs> and it's going to be one of pride and a little bit of nervousness because your friends are going to start yelling, <laughs> yeah. and I don't know if there's going to be family from Honduras, but you're... The weight of getting a degree sinks in, and I get to watch it firsthand mm-hmm. for 150 students in May and another 25, 30 students every December, mm-hmm. and it's the 
coolest thing because I know some of the stories, yeah. right? I just learned a little bit more of your story about your mom and dad and the challenges and the struggles. Yeah. And, and I get to experience that when I hand you a diploma. That's great. Uh, now that you mentioned about the science building, that that's one of the biggest accomplishments that you can tell us about your um, tenure as president. Are there any coming new projects to the university, like uh, renovations or new like buildings, renovations or programs, etc.? Yes, uh, that that we have probably three priorities. Mm -hmm. One is Smith King Residence Hall. Um, that, that I think it's fair to say they're a little tired. <laughs> um, they're a little dated, yeah. and, and they need some work. So my hope is that that will be next. Uh, we have design plans. We know what it will cost. Uh, you know, interest rates and things have gone a little bit berserk mm -hmm. the last year, so we're trying to figure out how we might do that. Yeah. Beyond that, um, athletic facilities – Uh, specifically baseball, softball, and soccer. Um, that's in in the, the top five. Uh, and and one of the, the ones that's always there, Christian, is, is, is creating funds for additional endowed scholarships, mm -hmm. ways to lighten your load and lighten the load of your colleagues, yeah. uh, and making sure that college stays affordable. That's great. Um, well, you know, we're in a university here. We're our students and uh, we do things right uh, the next thing I, I want to talk to you is about um, issues that may arouse uh, among students at the university uh, for example one of them is um, and first I want to ask you this question I don't know if you will answer but did you go to parties when you were in college <laughs> did I go to parties uh, when I was in college yes yes and they were like Well, you know, I, I have seen a lot of movies and I have been myself in parties here, so I know how they are. <laughs> so I, I guess it's the same as your experience. Uh, well, it's been a long time since I've been to a student party. Mm -hmm. um, I may have seen some videos <laughs> and some TikTok posts uh, on what do we call it? Ozark's hype. <laughs> so I, I may have seen some things and... and I would say my college parties yeah. <laughs> weren't quite at that level, um, but some things are universal. So you from one generation to the next, some things are universal. So you receive all that information every party. You know where they they are. <laughs> well, I I haven't lately, but last year I, I I was asked to judge a costume contest. Okay. And when somebody said, "Well, it's going to be at midnight," yeah. I'm like, "I'm not showing up at your party at midnight, Odo. There is just no way I'm going to be there." Oh my god. And he's like, "Come on, if you showed up, that would just be amazing." And I'm like. I don't think so. <laughs> I think about half the students, it might scare them if yeah. I show up and I'm going to bed. <laughs> and then then I gave them a little bit of advice on how many people should be in a building and yeah. let's not engage the police and let's make sure that people are safe and getting home and all those kinds of things. Have you heard any party lately around your house? <laughs> No, no, but you're laughing like maybe I should have. No, 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 no. no I'm no, no, not no. laughing. No, I'm, um, la I'm laughing, but not for that. <laughs> I just want well, to make sure because I know that there are student houses yeah. uh, near your house. So. 
Well, I'll tell you one that there there was a it was over the holiday break. Mm-hmm. So the holiday breaker was, and so students are gone, and I'm hearing music, and I couldn't figure it out. And it, it's every now and then you hear it, then you wouldn't, then you'd hear yeah. it. Well, like a mile away, there's a quinceanera. And they brought, I mean, it's a huge band and sound system, and they were, they were rocking. So, yeah, <laughs> the last party I heard was not your kind of party. It was okay. a quinceanera. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, we live in a dry county here. Yes. It's supposed to be a dry county, but I don't think it's too much of a dry county, right? But... How hard is for the university, and I don't know how much you can tell us about this, but how hard is for the university to control what students do in, like, in terms of alcohol consumption, uh, given that we live in a right. county where it's prohibited to have alcohol? Well, and all right, so you asked the question, and I don't know how many <coughs> people are going to listen to this, but let's assume a lot, and let's just be really blunt, Yeah. right? The nearest liquor store is, what, 12 miles across the river in Scranton? So I appreciate we're a dry county. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty confident that our students of age, if they want to access alcohol, they can access alcohol. Mm -hmm. So my first thing with, uh, with my faculty and staff, primarily uh, student affairs staff, is let's be, let's be honest with each other, all right? That it's not if, it's when and how. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we think about freshman residence halls versus upper class residence halls versus some of our houses, mm -hmm. that if you and your friends are 21 or over, I would rather you have a beer, cook out in the backyard yeah. and be safe than go to, say, one of the schools in northwest Arkansas where there is a range of bars mm -hmm. and then drive home. Yeah. Now, as it relates to underage, it's against the law. Yeah. That's um, right. What is our role to enforce it off campus? Well, I'll leave that to the police. On campus, that's, that's the purview of student affairs, the dean of students, and I expect that we enforce. Mm -hmm. We enforce the rules, but that it be educational. Yeah. Uh, and that we help people understand what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do. So I, you said that you appreciate the fact that we are uh, a dry county, right? Yes. And you, you don't, if there was a chance or in the coming elections, they were like to get that topic, uh, you will be against being um, uh, not a dry county anymore? I would not be against. I would be for, for. us moving wet. Okay. All right. And part of it. All right. Let's do this. The university with Aramark, mm -hmm. we have an alcohol license. Mm -hmm. So we serve alcohol at wedding receptions. We serve alcohol at events. Um, when you have a senior dinner with me, mm -hmm. there will you will be able to have two drinks mm -hmm. during dinner. When I do that, it's to prepare you for work. Yeah. It's to prepare you for the nature of what's out there because you might have an interview mm -hmm. someday and the person says, great, afterwards we're going to go have a beer. Mm -hmm. I want you to see that you can stand at a high-top table. You can socialize over a beer or a glass of wine. Yeah. I'm, I don't serve liquor, and that's about consumption and being able to control things. Yeah, You having two glasses of wine or you having two beers 
over a three-hour period of time at one of my events is is role modeling mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be bad and you don't have to drink that's also i think one of the things that that f- that trips me up just because you can doesn't mean you have to yeah so when we do prohibitions it causes people to want to yeah that's true what is there a drinking age in honduras yeah it's 21 it's 21 okay so in you know in some countries you have drinking ages mm-hmm. in some countries you don't i i would like it to be less hidden yeah and that we have a conversation about it mm-hmm. for some students it torpedoes their education mm-hmm. right they come to college they drink a little too much they sleep in and don't go to classes. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm interested in. Yeah. I'm interested in us going, hey, if I want to have a glass of wine at dinner, can Being I have a glass of wine? Have or the freedom. You, freedom. If you want to have a glass of wine, who am I to tell you you shouldn't? Yeah. It's not my job to tell you you shouldn't if you're over the age of 21. Yeah, I think in the end it's all about education because mm-hmm. we're surrounded. Uh, alcohol is a drug uh, the same as caffeine and we have campus perks here for example we drink coffee and uh we uh, i mean even other substances of, of or drugs are being legalized like marijuana for example mm-hmm. in a lot of uh, states here in the united states so i think it's not more about prohibition but about telling people you you have the freedom but to tell them like to have them in measure if they will consume those type of substances, right? Exactly. Right. Let's think about, can we picture a world where caffeine didn't exist Mm -hmm. and you introduced it today? Yeah. Would it be legal? Mm. Sugar, right? We, We consume so much sugar. Yeah. Huh. Caffeine is, caffeine's a stimulant. Caffeine is, it's, like you just said, you can buy it on every street corner. Yeah. I wonder if it were just discovered today. What well, would happen? Would it? Yeah. Would it get? What kind of scrutiny would it get? I will say that people will criticize it maybe a little bit uh, more. Maybe <laughs> a little bit more, right? Yeah. They go, no, it, it's bad. Well, uh, especially think about youth. Should a twelve-year-old be chugging one of those energy drinks? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Should an 18-year-old chug a six-pack of those energy <laughs> drinks? I think we'd talk about things differently. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with the case of energy drinks. Uh, in Honduras, there have been a lot of cases in which people underage have died of heart attacks because of drinking those type of drinks. They drink them. They get dehydrated. Uh, yeah. th- I think I've seen a couple of those where it's been tied to gaming, mm-hmm. where they're just pounding energy drinks and not realizing they're body is in crisis yeah, i will die if i take one of those well i've <laughs> because yeah. e- even with a cup of coffee i'm kind of anxious anxious after that so <laughs> i'm good with a cup of coffee every morning mm. yeah yeah it's i don't know it maybe i'm not that really like resistant to coffee <laughs> oh yeah well please no i wasn't drinking coffee at your age that ca- that happened yeah years <laughs> later yeah Okay, let's keep talking, and now we're going to move to international students. We're and then we we, we have uh, I am a Walton myself, so I have to uh, dedicate a section for the Waltons too. But great. First, uh, I wanted to talk about the international students, and uh, well, I did a 
small research, research to find this uh, fact um, that says, uh, according to the U.S. News, which is a, a report made uh, every year, 20, 29% of the student body at the University of the Ozarks are international students. So I think we can't deny the impact that international students Correct. have here, right? Um, what impact do you think that it will have if we didn't have any international oh, students? Oh, wow. Um, <clears throat> the university would shrink mm -hmm. drastically, which would result in our need to either find other students to fill that void or it would cause us to shrink services. Mm -hmm. We'd have fewer fewer faculty, fewer athletic programs, just fewer of everything. Yeah. You know, we we set out to grow international students nine years ago. At that time we had sixty four international students, sixty of whom were Waltons. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And what we set out was that we posed the question or or a hypothesis, could we increase sixty to a hundred and eighty from 20 countries and we set the 20 country mark because we didn't want one country mm -hmm. to you know to just simply hey let's bring in 300 students from india china yeah. south korea well as you know we were able to do it and we went from 60 to 200 and then 200 to i think the last i see anywhere from 260 to 280 international students and this year, it's actually 30 different countries. Wow. But we did it a little bit different in that the vast majority of our international students can be home within four hours of mm. Houston or Miami, right? They're, they're, from, they're from the equator north. Yeah. Yes, we have a few from Europe each year, primarily Spain and France. Yes, we have a few from Africa. We've started to gradually grow mm -hmm. that number. But for the most part, our students are from the Americas. Yeah. And we built that on the 40-year relationship with Central America and Mexico. Mm -hmm. We knew we could, right? That now we have Central Americans, and, and I kind of laugh when folks will assume somebody's a, a, a <laughs> Walton Scholar. And I'm like, hey, just because they're from El Salvador does not mean they're a Walton Scholar. Yeah. <laughs> Just because they're from Panama doesn't mean they're a Walton Scholar. Those are the two countries mm. we've been able to recruit the most non-Waltons. Mm -hmm. I think you'll see that grow and that, that we're, we're, we're good at it. Yeah. And, and I think we do a nice job. One of the other things you said, well, what would happen if they weren't here? The largest employers in Arkansas, Walmart, mm -hmm. Stevens Financial, J.B. Hunt, the kind Tyson – the kinds of employers that are in in Clarksville, in the River Valley, in Arkansas, they're global. Yeah, They want a diverse workforce. So let's say I have a student from Clarksville who you've done a project with, and Diego, the young man that was here mm -hmm. before taking a picture, he's in that project, and then maybe, maybe Cal from Botswana, and all of a sudden a student from Arkansas is saying, oh, I've done a project with somebody from Honduras, from Botswana, I know what that feels like, yeah. and they were able to do it without leaving. So it, it, it prepares you. It prepares students. And I love seeing the intergenerational that when friends are talking about, ooh, I visited my friend mm -hmm. in Honduras yeah. when I was here. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Is the international program 
always evolving? Like, do you have any new plans or uh, changes to, to the program? I think, I think the idea of always evolving, mm -hmm. yes, but I'll, I'll answer it just slightly differently. The university has to always evolve. Yeah. There, there's no such thing as stasis. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you try to stop and be static, you're losing ground. Yeah. I think with our international program now, where it needs to evolve, some of that is, is here in Clarksville. Um, internships, mm -hmm. externships, the kinds of things that you can do while you're here. Um, do we want to add more international students? Maybe, mm -hmm. but but it we have to know why. Yeah, um, we're working on a new program uh, with a school in France, uh, and my hope that that it's successful at the undergraduate level, so that our students can go to France for graduate school. Okay. So I think we're we're always looking for new opportunities, yeah. but it has to meet it has to meet our mission and our needs. It has to be with that. With a purpose in mind, right? Not with a purpose in just mind, because you to want make more. Money. Yeah, just to have more international students. Okay, right. More is not always better. Yeah, that's true. So, keep. You know, we're we're gonna keep talking about international students, but I think that we 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 are in another section of international students, the Walton Scholars. Okay. Uh, so, you are you part of the board of trustees? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. So that so you're involved directly on decisions that may affect to the Walton scholars too, right? Well, let's let's yes and no, mm -hmm. and here's why: because of conflicts of interest. Okay. So when votes and decisions are being made at that level, mm -hmm. I I recuse myself. Be, now, I'm not afraid to share my opinion. But but it would be inappropriate for me to vote on that because it affects us. So um, you you refrain yourself from voting, or do they not let you vote? I refrain from voting. Okay. That that I'm still in the so room. So you can you can vote if you want it. Eh, I don't think they would. I mean, we. I think all of us would say that that's a that's a conflict, mm -hmm. um, and that 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 I'm I'm part of the conversation. I help write and edit the reports that we send. Um, I am not shy at offering my thoughts on, you use the word evolution. Yeah. I think we're at a point where the Walton Scholars Program probably should continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. What does that look like? I don't know, but I think, I think we have really smart people. One of them is the, the current director for Ozarks, Nicole Lingland. Yeah. And I know she's got some thoughts and ideas and, And I'm excited to see what might happen over the years as she is able to put her mark on it. Mm -hmm. and, and part of the tension there is because it is three three campuses. Mm -hmm. It's three programs, but they're in association with each other. And each has a slightly different flavor. Um, I just want to make sure that our flavor is us yeah. and not one of those other schools. You mentioned something interesting that was there may be a conflict of interest between you uh, or what you think and what the Board of Trustees want to make with the Walton Scholarship, right? So that means that maybe sometimes you're not agree with or you want to m make a change that maybe the Walton Scholarship will not accept? 
Uh, I think that's a fair statement that 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 I well, let's do this one that one of the pieces that that I I encouraged uh, and was really happy mm-hmm. was the change in definition of after you complete your scholarship that it's you have to return to the region, mm-hmm. which includes all of Central America and Mexico where historically was you had to go to Honduras. Okay. So now if you get an offer in Mexico City, that counts. You can go. If you spend a couple years in Honduras and then find yourself in Costa Rica, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, I, what I wish is that it, it weren't so, um, so set. Yeah. Right, because and part of it is because each of those countries are different. Yeah, that in some of those countries, um, graduate school is abundant. Mm-hmm. In some of the countries, it's maybe a little more challenging. So, what if I want to to get a graduate degree, and what if that makes the most sense for me? Are there ways to do that? Mm-hmm. I think what trips us up more often. Is is when Walton's marry Americans or mar- marry <laughs> U.S. Sudu- citizens, yeah. and then and then immigrate, and it's that tension of the scholarship was it designed mm-hmm. to influence Central America? The scholarship is designed because it, it's part of it's the power of education, right? Yeah. That when Mr. and Mrs. Walton created the scholarship, they believed that with education. Our alums would go home and transform, mm-hmm. and grow, and evolve, and 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 influence free markets. Yeah. That they would influence capitalism. That they would influence the politics of of countries. Mm-hmm. That was the hope. That was the mission back yeah. in '85 when yeah. the scholarship started, right? Um, something I am pretty interested in touching base on this topic is about the transcript issue that okay. we have uh, we have been uh, noticing that this has been enforcing more and more since like two years ago, one year and a half since ago. Since Miss England took yeah. over? Yeah, we can so. use names. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Since Nicole was hired, um, we mm-hmm. at, we have been in, in, in Forcing the rules, and and I think that that prior to Mrs. England, um, we had gotten Ozarks had gotten way too lax mm-hmm. in in those rules and those expectations, and and it put us at risk of losing the Walton Scholarship Program. So I, way before the Walton scholars that were graduated from here were given everything like the transcripts or the uh, possibility to keep studying here if they wanted. Well, I, I I won't go quite that far. Okay. That that, that um, probably the year before you arrived, a couple of years before you arrived, I think well-intended people. Mm-hmm were making individual decisions. So let's say you said, hey, I've got a full fellowship to the University of Arkansas. I can go get a PhD, and then I'll go home. And they would go, oh, great, you should do that. And then the next person would come in and say, hey, I've got a full fellowship to go to Penn State. And they would go, hey, you should do that. And then by the time they're done, 
eight out of ten Waltons are still in the United States. Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't work. That's that's not what the program's for. I think the other problem too is that people would say, "Hey, I need to get a PhD or I need to get a master's degree, and then I'll go home." Mm-hmm. And then too many people got masters and PhDs and then never went home. They're now faculty somewhere, or they're working for a U.S. company, and they're here. Well, then, in many ways, and this is going to sound really a little cold, but in that context, the foundation basically wasted Mm $200,000 because they've spent the funds to educate, to prepare everything for the benefit of Honduras, and instead the benefit is Chicago, Illinois. Mm -hmm. Or the benefit is Little Rock, Arkansas. That's not the goal. The goal is to to influence and help Tegucigalpa or somewhere in in Central America. Don't you think that the rules or maybe the mission of the Walton Scholarship is getting obsolete in some ways? Mm. Is it getting obsolete in some way? Um, I I don't know that I would buy that premise, and here's why I would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, for example, um, retaining the transcripts, for example, right. because of that, uh, of returning to our home country, uh, one of my opinions or maybe perspectives is that we live in a Wording maybe in the '85, where when the scholarship was uh, created, we didn't have uh, internet, even internet or computers or telephones or whatever. Uh, and now we can work basically from any part of the world, and we can help our countries in several ways. Like, for example, in my case, uh, I studied communications and. I I actually don't don't study the strategic communication track. I I, I study that. I I don't study uh, media production. But one of my um, goals, career goals, is to be like kind of a journalist yes. back home. And I don't think I need to be in Honduras to do that. For example, and I'm not saying that I I will not be back in Honduras, right? But I'm saying that first. I'm safer out of Honduras if I want to do that job because uh, that job is very risky back home. And also, I also feel that you can do that and help your country to like discover the truth about the corruption or whatever that your country is going through. So I, I think that maybe it depends on case by case basis that you need to be in your country or you don't need to be in your country to help improved your your like the society and everything that, and that's the goal of the scholarship and, and and i think you're exactly right that mm-hmm. that in a, in an ideal world it would be case by case yeah right and when there was some flexibility for case by case mm-hmm. i think some people abused it and then because of that abuse we've pulled it back yeah and and then it's and now it's it's ripe for the conversation of going okay how do we continue mm-hmm. and i think the challenge there too is each country's a little different right yeah. 
I mean, the, let's use Panama, for example. When the program was in existence, the United States controlled the canal, mm-hmm. right? The United States no longer controls the canal. Panama has a much more robust economy than, say, Honduras yeah. or Nicaragua or Belize. And it's that how do we think about that a couple of the countries have outpaced the economic development growth and, quite honestly, Christian, and they're st- stable, mm-hmm. right? We know that Honduras and Nicaragua, um, I'll watch my words carefully, but from a political, social, economic structure, they're very different yeah. than, again, say, Costa Rica. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think, sometimes we put all the countries together and paint them with the same brush, mm-hmm. and they're different. And maybe we could get to a point of thinking, well, what does it look like, mm-hmm. right? What, what is the next evolution? We're not there yet, but I, I believe those are the kinds of conversations that Nicole yeah. can help lead. Any upcoming change that you know about the Walton Scholarship or the scholars that are here, actually? I don't know of any changes. The, 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 we do have a, a special trip coming up this summer. Yeah. Uh, Harding University has a new president. Okay. Uh, and just as when I was a new president 10 years ago, uh, the well, I was a new president and Harding had a new president 10 years ago, Chip Pollard, Dr. Pollard, the president of John Brown University, yeah. hosted us in Costa Rica and Guatemala um, to help us understand the scholars program. So this year, this summer, Dr. Pollard and mm-hmm. I are taking the Harding president and we're going to introduce him to the scholars program in Panama. Um, in El Salvador and in Honduras okay. uh, as a way to help him understand the value and the importance. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other um, huge changes is one of the inaugural directors, the director at, in, at Harding, has retired. Mm-hmm. So now all of the programs in the last three years have changed over directors. Nicole is now the senior director of all three. Yeah. And I think that's going to help influence things yeah. in saying, okay, what do we do next? So like taking a leadership role? Yes, like sir. being the director that has had the most experience? That's exactly right. Yeah. So talking about changes, I, well, I'm a, as a Walton scholar. Maybe I think that there will need to be some changes made, like... For example, do you think that the, and this maybe is just a random topic for the scholars, uh, but it has been a central topic when there are discussions on things that should be changed or revised, and that's the allowance. The allowance right now is $125, and I don't know when, when was the last time it was revised, but... I can tell you from personal experience that, for example, for this big break that comes uh, next week, sometimes the money doesn't last as it lasted, for example, 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So do you think that is probably one of the changes that should be revised? Well, yes, and and in many ways that, 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 that is, I wouldn't argue or I wouldn't, posit that that's necessarily a change so let me explain how this works that Mm -hmm. every three years 
the schools come together and request funding for the next three years. Okay. So the last time that the the allowance was changed, I want to say it was seven, maybe eight years ago. And and what has happened over the last two years, inflation, prices, yeah. things have changed so drastically. I think that's going to be one of the things that's – I won't say it's automatic, mm-hmm. but I would bet that as Nicole is laying out the next request yeah. that that she's asking for an adjustment to – to that allowance and I've already heard her talking about okay how do we calculate it what's a reasonable allowance mm-hmm. uh, and and $125 a month is it and part of the conversation is what is it for what's it supposed to fund mm-hmm. um, I think it's especially challenging for months like March yeah. where you have a week where the cafeteria is closed or in December as well exactly and that maybe the allowance itself doesn't change, but in those, like for fall break, for Christmas break, for spring break, yeah. Thanksgiving holiday, that maybe there's a holiday allowance. Mm-hmm. So that when the cafeteria is closed, you get a per diem mm-hmm. for food. Yeah. That That's just assuming there's going to be a real cost there. And those are the kinds of conversations that, that I think are ripe and that we should be having. Yeah, I really hope that Changes like that, I mean, I'm leaving, but I would like for the... I'm graduating. Yeah, I'm graduating, yeah. <laughs> but after I graduate, I would like that the scholarship keeps improving and that changes are made to 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 help stu- students that are here with the scholarship because uh, that, for example, is a topic that has been on the table since like more than two years. Uh, the seniors that graduated last year or seniors from 2020 even uh, were talking about topics like that so probably in the future um we're getting to the end of the (laughs) uh, conversation already so for this last part i wanted to kind of a dynamic uh and it's one word answers of different questions okay okay they will be fast and one uh, word do hyphens count um, yeah. Uh, okay, we'll, I can hyphen a, hyphenate a okay. word. All right. <laughs> so the first one is, what is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? I say good say good morning. Okay. Religion? Yes. Yeah. Christian. Okay. Morning person or afternoon person? Afternoon. Afternoon, okay. Favorite m- music genre? Country. A job you dreamed to have when you were a child? I dreamed of being a doctor. TV shows or movies? TV shows. What's the last TV show you, you watched? A Million Little Things. Okay. Cats or dogs? Dogs. And finally, I give you the opportunity to ask me whatever you want to ask to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Please be easy on me. <laughs> Please be easy on you. Yeah, because you've got all the notes and all the the, the preparation. So, yeah. Well, th- th- let's let's do some of the big one. Wh- why are you doing this? Why what what caused you to want to do a podcast? Well, since 2020, I started like doing podcasts, but like nothing serious, and uh, it was everything Spanish. So. This is like the first project uh, for a podcast in English that I do. And one of my 
purposes is first to get to know more the people from all sorts on or from the community and know more about their lives or their occupations but also this will be very useful for me personally because uh, I think that all this may serve as a professional experience as well so I think that's my main goal with the podcast and I, I like doing this and since I started the radio program last year at the university station I think I got even more motivated from that so Great. that's yeah now do you ever watch or listen to um, Lilo Viejo yeah yeah I have I have seen his I've video been, yeah <laughs> all right that, that when he was on campus he was one where I didn't know he was such a big deal so when <laughs> when people ask me to be on podcasts or, yeah. <laughs> or or these kinds of things, I I never know what the reach might be. Yeah. So when I heard he had you know millions of viewers, I'm going, oh, that makes me a little nervous <laughs> that a, a student of mine has yeah. millions of of viewers. Mm -hmm. So what's what is the plan after you mentioned journalists? You you want to be a professional journalist? What what do you? Well, I'm what not, do you think? I'm not sure yet because, uh, as I told you before, uh, my track in communications is not really media production. I'm not media production. My track is a strategic communication, but I actually took that uh, track instead of media production because I thought it was going to be more like useful in the sense of finding more job positions in Honduras, back in Honduras. But really, my passion is all about media and I would like to work in a TV station or a radio. What are your minors? Political science and American studies. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you should be well equipped to work on a radio or television and yeah. help put things in context. Yeah. I, I studied political science as a minor because I wanted to have kind of some kind of political background because in my mind, Uh, I also thought about getting involved politically in Honduras, but I don't think about that anymore, maybe because I appreciate my life. <laughs> so You said it, I didn't. Yeah, and I don't know, I'm not pessimist, but I think it's very difficult for my country to get out of the corruption and all the all the social issues that it has it's very difficult so i kind of gave up on that and i as i told you i appreciate my life so <laughs> well i'm glad you appreciate your life yeah so. so well thanks again for having me uh i appreciate it and uh i look forward to to hearing how you produce it yeah. and uh i look forward to hearing who else you interview Thank you, and thank you to everyone that listened to this first episode of the CDRB Show. You can find us on Instagram at CDRB Productions. Please follow us. I'm Christian Rodriguez, and I hope you can be with us next time. Goodbye.